Hey, good morning. A happy Monday to you. It's Bruce and Judy. We've got uh, producer Tom here. We've got Miranda on the other side of the double pane proof glass. Nick Gale, bag at uh, uh, home base, if you will, keeping us up mm-hmm. to speed on everything that's going on out there. And uh, as evidenced by the fact that we are all here, there is a solid argument to be made that we are early risers. Uh, uh, maybe by necessity more than by choice. Is that a nice way to put it? Unless, I don't know, do, are, are any of you normally early risers? Is, are you kind of the morning people to begin with? I hate getting up this early. Got it. Hate it. All right. <laughs> Goes against everything in my body. I've been doing this for years, man. Even when... What do you mean, when I was, up early? Yeah, when I was a kid, I used to get up at probably uh, 4.30, 4.45 in the morning. When so you were a kid? When I was a kid. Seven years old? A children. Yeah. What time did you go to bed? Uh, like, I don't know, 7.30, 8. Oh, okay. sleep. Yeah, no. Well, I got up so that I could watch the MTV Video Wake Up, because I used to love watching the MTV Video Wake Up. Wow. That was what I was all wow. about. Wow. You, you, did you set an alarm, or do you get up naturally like that? It became natural when I was okay. like, oh, it's Ricky Martin time, you know? That was... <laughs> that's what I was like. It's anything but yeah, natural. I have no idea. Just so you know. Good Monday morning to you. If you thought you'd wake up and hear Ricky Martin time, uh, congratulations. <laughs> Put that on your bingo card. Uh, but some of you are up. Obviously, and dear God, why? 312-591-8900. What are you doing up this early? And are you a morning person? Apparently, allegedly, according to science, there are actually benefits to being up early, way before the sun. None of which appear to be that important to me, but I'm going to throw out there right now. But yeah, they're saying that you get up early. Um, For example, you know, You've got a little more, little more time to yourself. You can kind of plan your day without like hustle and bustle going on. Okay, I, I get that. I've always heard, you know, when you see these, um, uh, like billionaires talking about, you know, their key to success. Mm-hmm. Like they're all up at four thirty in the morning, apparently. Yeah, I say because they can't sleep. Okay, nothing else because their minds are going crazy. Yeah, I mean, if you can sleep, why wouldn't you? Okay, right. Well. I- my dad used to say sleep is a habit. And you can learn how to break it. I think yeah. he was down to four mm-hmm. hours a day, maybe mm-hmm. four or five, something like that. We all know and the he health tired. benefits yeah. of sleep. I get 10 hours. 10? Apparently, when Jeez. I was a child, I used to sleep standing up like a, a toddler. My mom said I would, she would turn around and I would just be standing against the wall sleeping. I'm like, yeah, okay, I get it. That's narc. Was it narcolepsy? Probably borderline because yeah. I, I can still sleep 10. I mean, it, I, I feel refreshed after sleeping 10 hours, what? not six hours, not five hours. I think people just, something happens to your body as you get older, and they can't sleep anymore. So now they're just or you, make, or they're making not excuses. Need it as much. Right, maybe. So now they're making excuses for, oh, getting up early is the best thing in the world. I don't buy it. It's that hustle culture or whatever. Yeah, yeah exactly. They got, you got to get up and, you know, earn the bacon. Or whatever they say. Yeah, here's here's. I, some I don't other believe things. anyone saying "earn the bacon" anymore. I don't. I don't that's not a, that's not a phrase bacon, anyone's using. Tom. And by that the is, way, it's bring home the bacon. Yeah, oh, I was yeah, going to say no um, one's actually. So yeah, using here are other things you can do. Other benefits, and this is what they call benefits: more time to exercise. <laughs> <laughs> now, this one I uh, agree with: less time in traffic. That is the one benefit of getting up early. That's true. Maybe the only true. benefit. Yeah, yeah, if you miss the normal mm-hmm. nine to five-ish, if you will, uh, uh, of things. Hey, Darren in Peoria, why in God's green earth are you up this early? 
Oh my gosh, I <laughs> am the same boat as as uh, Beauty. I'm not a morning person. Okay. I hated it with with went to school, football practice, all that wrestling. Oh. <laughs> what, what, when did you have to go to practice when you were in school? Wrestling. And what time Base, was that? Baseball, baseball, football. We had early practices in the morning before school. Pitchers and catchers. Yeah. Oh my God, you poor thing, Darren. All yeah. right. Well, I, I appreciate it. Now, Greg, in Naperville, do you set an alarm to get up early? Uh, I have an alarm on just in case I don't wake up, but I, I'm up before the alarm goes off, and I'm uh, one of those guys that gets the kids to school early for band and all that other stuff. We're bus drivers. Oh. We have to be, we have to be at our base by 6 o'clock, some of us earlier than what, that. What time do you get up without an alarm? Um, between around four thirty, four forty-five, I go to I go to bed about nine o'clock. Wow! Mm. I just wake up. I'm fully rested. I'm ready to go. Well, th- thank you for being a bus driver as well. We know that's uh, that we were having a shortage of them out there. Not with thank Greg. You, thank you for being well rested and, and refreshed. Four thirty, bright-eyed and, and bushy-tailed. Uh, 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 the worst thing I uh, I ate it. Greg is up. Uh so. Bill, in Downers Grove, he sees Greg's 4.30, I wake up. What time do you naturally wake up? 3.15 in the morning. Dear God, why? What is wrong with you? We should. You, have well, you been to a doctor? Actually, there was a study done a few years ago. I'm ready. And, and it showed that a majority of the population of the world get up at approximately 3.15 in the morning either to go to the bathroom or their stomach bothers them a little okay, bit and okay. roll over and go back to sleep. Right. But um, it was something like 68% of the world population was estimated to get really? up at that time. And See, you, but, just, you just stay up. <laughs> I get up to go to the bathroom, I just stay up. Yeah, I'm yeah. not going back to sleep. it's unnatural. You shouldn't be getting up at that hour. Why? I'm wide awake. I'm bushy-tailed. I bushy-tailed. I told you. Ugh. Now, I don't know if Bill's taking into account that getting up at 3.15, you know, there's a time change. For other people, it's noon. But at 3.15 here, you know, maybe that's uh, the thing. Yeah. I. Uh, that's interesting because I've never been the type that could wake up like that early until now because now you get into a, a, a rhythm, I guess you'd say. And I get up Saturday and Sunday mornings early. You know, I just kind of, that's kind of the the... Um, what is it, your internal clock, your body mm. clock or whatever? Mine goes right back to the normal time. <laughs> the normal so time. So I get up, yeah, I still get up at like 9 o'clock on the weekends. I have no problem. 9 a.m., no problem. And the other problem with getting up so early, your whole day then shifts, right? Like, since I started doing this morning shift, I want to eat dinner at, you know, 3 o'clock. Yeah, I have 4 o'clock when I have dinner. Well, then you can get the early bird special over Hello? at the old country. I'm at the Lubies. That's right. I'm down with the Lubies. I got the early the bird. <laughs> Do they still have Lubies? Please tell me there's a uh, Lubies somewhere. Probably in the south. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I got to go to the Lubies. Get the early bird. Yeah, exactly. Pay less for dinner. Yeah, it's me and the octogenarians all hanging out, you know, having the a. The problem is when you have Salisbury a family, steak. they all want to eat at the normal time. I've already moved it a little bit to five. That's but as that's far as you can push it. Early. Although it's funny because as a child, that was the time we ate every single day. 5 p.m. So yeah, that was my- dinner time. Oh. We used to sit around because I remember like the nightly news was on or something. Like, I remember, there was like a there was a, a system to that. Yeah, Dad was home from work. Eat, you yep, know? he walked in at 4:58. We ate at five. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Dinner was on. Dinner the better table. be on the table. Yeah. Right? There was going to be yeah. hell to pay. Now, I mean, people eat at like seven and eight o'clock. It's, yeah. Oh, I can't even fathom that anymore. Yeah. Okay. So now we've got. So it's a game now. 
It's a, it's a competition. We had, I wake up at 4.15 on my, I wake up at 3 on my own. Jose in Elmhurst, when do you get up every morning? I get up every day, six days a week at 2 a.m. Oh, I'm on so sorry. Or by accident? Uh, I, sometimes I wake up before that on my own without the alarm clock. Now, what time do you have to go to bed to get up at 2, at two in the morning? I have an eight-year-old, so I go to bed at nine o'clock sometimes because my eight-year-old doesn't understand that I get up. <laughs> and what do you do? What do you do that's causing you to be up at two in the morning, Jose? Uh, I'm a truck driver. Oh, I love that. Thank you. Thank you very much. And Jose, do be careful out there on the on the road too. Do be careful. Outstanding. So Jose, Jose's up early. Hey, Glenn in Evanston. Glenn, are you one of those people that just struggles to sleep? Hey, if I can get at least three and a half hours of sleep a night, I'm fortunate. Really? Oh, yes, yeah, I'm, so I'm always up. Always up. Because some people, now, is for some people, they can't make it through the day without a good eight hours. But are you functioning at three, three and a half hours of sleep? Wide awake, functioning sharply. Really? Do you nap? If I could, I would. But unfortunately, <laughs> I don't. Okay. Uh. That's sometimes, even, sometimes even a little 10 minute nap. Can so again, he's figured out how to you. break the habit of sleep like my dad used used to say. Some people just don't need as much of it. I I I I can acknowledge that 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 some folks mm-hmm. are able to uh, that's where I kind of get into where they always say, "Well, you need 8 hours of sleep." Well, not everybody does. Right. Some need 10, some need 3. Absolutely. Let's just you are unique. You're an individual and other people need different amounts. But there are advantages allegedly. I used to do it the other way around, though. Like when they say, well, it's easier. You know, I have friends that, like they get into work early and they go, well, nobody bothers me, you know, and I can get things done early before, you know, everybody starts in or the calls start at 9 a.m. or whatnot. Mm-hmm. I used to take it the other way around. I go, you know what? Seven o'clock at work. Ain't nobody bothering me. Seven at night, you know, and I and I had to work in the office. I'm like, man, I just stay late. I can get more done at the end of the day than I could at the beginning of the day because everybody already left, if you will. Good morning. It's Bruce and Judy with an, an Irish jig for you. Uh, who knew that I, maybe uh, the Irish fishing fleet is the thing that's going to finally make the Ruskies back down? That is because there is a, um, a kerfuffle, uh, might be a nice way to put it, between a, a group of Irish fishermen and the Russian Navy. That's right. Uh, the Russian Navy is conducting, uh, what, like war games, you know? They all go Naval and, exercises. You know, they sit there and, and pretend to do this. But they're doing it in an area that a bunch of uh, Irish fishermen, who I am now genuinely concerned about, um, aren't going to put up with it. Yeah, um, it's a very lucrative fishing hole, as it were. And uh, so while they were out there, I guess, these these trawlers, these, you know, maybe 60 trawlers went out there and said, yeah, no, this isn't going to happen. We're going to face down uh, the Russian Navy in their fishing trawlers. They said, go ahead, do what you need to do. We're going to do our do our thing here. By the way, this is (laughs) like an Ireland's exclusive economic zone. It's called. I mean, this is uh, we're talking. This is people's livelihood. Russia just can't come in and just say, hey, this is where we're going to do our little war games. No. I will point out that Russia showed up with boats with guns on them. <laughs> and the, the Irish 
fishing fleet went out there with nothing more than uh, poles. Yeah, why I oughta, you know, bunch of. Were they drunk? Did they have? They might have had a few in them. I mean, to get out that <laughs> well, early in the goes morning, fishing without drinking. Why would yeah, you bother? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, but uh, yeah, their fishing lines, uh, you know, yeah, scared off the Russians. There you go. There, scared them all off. Yeah, the Russians actually backed down. So while uh, this leads me to believe that possibly, I'm just throwing it out there because I'm an idea person. Maybe we need to send the Irish fishermen to Ukraine. I'm just saying. I'm Could just, you know what? I mean, maybe a couple of uh, of trawlers out there in the Black Sea or whatnot might get the Ruskies to back down in Ukraine as well. I, I love the idea that for all the strength that Russia tries to show everywhere. That, and I mean, imagine warships and fishing trawlers arguing over a space in the ocean and the fishing trawlers win. That's That goes to show how afraid people truly are of a bunch of Irish fishermen. Well, I, I've never fished with an Irishman, or maybe I have. But yeah, they, um, they, they know what they're doing. And they, they, here's the thing about most Irish people I know, they're pretty laid back and they're just like, no, not going to happen. I mean, I, they didn't have to raise a pole, right? They didn't against the Russians. They just went back out there and said, nope, nope. We're, we were, you know they what this parked, comes down they to? They parked out there. We were here first. We I were think, here first. I think this was a, we were here first. It was finders keepers. That's the way we went with Losers it. Losers go away. Yeah. Find another spot. And the and the and the Ruski Navy back down. Mm-hmm. Uh the Ruskies are not quite yet backing down in Ukraine though. Uh that uh, continues to be an issue for lack of better terms. And uh the, the world is paying attention and watching as well, this thing continues to hang over our heads. And and I, I listen, I I realize that most people would have difficulty finding Ukraine on a map. I had to have it shown to me the first time. I'm like, where the hell is Ukraine? Right? And the the reality of this is that almost all of the world's nations are in some way, shape, or form connected to this um this dispute. Uh you know, and the fact that what do you do if Russia sets foot into Ukraine and rolls tanks across the border? What do you do? Well, we talk about um, these Irish fishermen, you know, ordinary citizens now in the Ukraine are sort of taking up that mantle, right? They're, they're thinking, oh, yeah. Every man, woman, you, and child is going to be there with a bat oh, or a they're, gun. They're yeah. training them. And because, you know, we've had this war of words lately between all the countries, and you don't really know who will be there for Ukraine if needed. So, and really it has to start from within anyway. I mean, so you've got your Well, they've citizens. been fighting in, what is it, Donetsk? I hope, I, I, if I mispronounce any Ukrainian cities, it's I sincerely apologize. But the the eastern side of Ukraine has been under uh, uh, occupation in some way, shape, or form. Um, and And here's the excuse, by the way, and I just want you to follow this through. Putin's argument is that there are a lot of Russian speakers and people that speak Russian in Ukraine. And that, that is true. And that, that he needs to defend them and help them. But by that argument, you know, England could invade Ireland because there's a lot of English speakers there as well. Like, it's not, okay, fine. The language isn't the issue. You, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. The fact that they speak Russian 
doesn't mean they are Russian any more than the fact that you speak English means that you're part of England. And the Irish it's, might it's, argue that they never left. You never know? left, mm. exactly. Yeah, it's a ridiculous argument. I mean, they're not, they're, you know, no one's rights are being violated. It's not a human rights issue. It's just, yeah, it's Russia just trying to show its power, right? But can Putin back down? Well, that's the problem. At this point, would he look weak? The and Navy we all know did. that, you know. Why can't Putin just, you know, and, I, well, what's happening is it's the, you know, the um, international community, right? It's... It's going to come down to the the court of international public relations, basically, because that's what I think happened in Ireland here with this body of water. They're uh, they're not being uh, you know internationally. People are saying what what's Russia up to now, and I don't know if we're going to take it this time. Yeah, but but again, what do you do? You know, and what threat would actually make them back down and not invade? Well, they can't look Ukraine. bad. They can't look weak, right? right. So they're going to have to do something. But, you know, it can be done with words, not guns. Hopefully. Yeah. We have to have our president ride a bear shirtless. I think that's what we need to no. do. <laughs> can you wrestle a tiger? Why yeah. would you put that image in our head? Have you, yeah. <laughs> have you not seen that? Show strength, yeah. you know. <laughs> put Biden Putin on a dress. strong like bull. Yeah. Yeah. He, uh, that's his big thing. You know, he... He has to show strength at all times. And, you know, this is a part of it when you're when you're in a totalitarian government, if you will, and you win elections by 98 percent and then they shoot the other two percent, by the <laughs> way. Uh, you know, the, the reality of it is, is that you um, there is a cult of personality that goes on there. And the last thing uh, that Putin can can stand is to be seen as weak or backing down. And that's that's my when I look at this, I'm like, I, you know, the Ukraine doesn't mean anything to me personally. Uh, you know, I, it's, it's a plot of land out there in the middle of uh, Eurasia, if you will, and whatever happens, happens. But we could get dragged into something just strictly because you, you just can't allow him to keep snatching countries. I mean, uh, the, the comparisons to Hitler are not completely out. I mean, Hitler annexed Austria. You know, I'm like, he, he just declared one day, Austria is now part of Germany. And everybody went, okay, can he do that, by the way? And, you know, uh, you know, Putin saying, well, Crimea is now part of Russia. And now Ukraine is part of Russia. Do you just say, okay, well, maybe he'll stop at Ukraine. Does anybody think he'll stop in any of those? No, right? that's, that's the problem. Still time for our criminal of the day. I got to give a shout out to Eric Bennett of Vero Beach, Florida, who, like Nick Gale, enjoys fishing. But unlike Nick Gale, has a questionable set of lures. Allegedly, Bennett came to the attention of cops when they witnessed him walk into a stop sign and fall into oncoming traffic. After helping a, quote, visibly intoxicated Mr. Bennett to his feet, police noticed large bulges in his pocket. When asked if he had any weapons on his persons, he replied his pants were full of, quote, hypodermic needles for fishing. Our innovative <laughs> angler also had a baggie of white powder in his pocket, which he admitted was fentanyl, although it's unclear what fish you can catch with narcotics. Uh, needless to say, officers didn't buy his fish story, mostly because of his condition and the lack of a tackle box or rod. Not that that would have explained exactly how you catch a fish with a hypodermic needle. <laughs> Mr. Bennett was charged with felony narcotics possession, and to nobody's surprise, this isn't his first time. So for using the old Moby Dick fishing excuse for your drug paraphernalia, you, Eric Bennett, are the Bruce St. James Show criminal today. All suspects described above should be considered innocent and don't guilty in a court of law, no matter how 
crazy they are. Nick, I'm sorry for dragging you into that no, story. No, that's all right. Okay. <laughs> I just thought it was along those lines, right? You know? I've never used a hypodermic needle to catch a fish. I but still I... don't understand exactly how you do it, but shout out to Eric for trying to get out of yeah. the, uh, the arrest for that. Hey, good morning to you. A happy Monday. We jump into the 6 o'clock hour and take a look at big stories people are talking about. So check this out. It took 55 Super Bowls for a home team to play in the big game, right? And the Bucks did it last year. Well, now... You're going to get two in a row as the Los Angeles Rams will be hosting the Cincinnati Bengals in the Super Bowl in just two weeks after some exciting conference championship games. Judy? Enjoy the sunny, mild weather today. We've got a whopper of a winter storm apparently coming later this week with some areas possibly seeing as much as a foot of snow. Stay tuned. Yeah, it's it's about to change, to say the least. What will downtown Chicago look like? The city is trying to uh, burnish its image, if you will, and bring back the hustle and bustle to the downtown area. Will the Mag Mile ever reclaim its former glory? We will keep an eye on that. Hey, joining us right now, uh, I'm going to hear him every single afternoon, right here on the Big 89, he's John Howell. John, good morning. Happy Monday. Good morning, crew. Hello, John. great to have you with us today. And, you know, we kind of led into this a little with uh, maybe it's a smaller list of who isn't running for Bobby Rush's congressional seat because they are coming out of the woodwork hand over fist. It's Jackson's to lose. Oh, really? I would say so, sure. So name name recognition, even without Bobby Rush's endorsement. I mean, his father, you know, the family, even with his brother's uh, little time away at Club Fed. Uh, <laughs> Who, hasn't done? Who hasn't done some time there? Yeah, that's a, a Chicago tradition. So Jonathan Jackson, the son of Reverend Jesse Jackson, throws his hat into the ring and immediately becomes the front runner in this. I would think so. I mean, I would just I'd base that based on the history of the district and the history of that family. It's probably his if he wants it. Wow. And I mean, it's... You know, it's not like he doesn't have the the background for it, right? I mean, he's been he's been kind of running Operation Push for a while now. Oh, look, I said Operation Push. It's called Rainbow Rainbow Push. That's it. Um, the only interesting thing about him, he doesn't live in that newly redrawn district. Not that you have to. No, that's that's easily overcome in uh, this day and age. You don't have to live in the district that you represent. Uh, years ago, at the Democratic Convention in Denver, at that time, I went to the Democratic convention in Denver, and a week later, I went up to the Republican convention in St. Paul. That's where I first saw Sarah Palin. But at the Democratic convention out in Denver, let me just tell you from personal experience, that uh, Jackson family, they know how to have fun. (laughs) Really? Okay. Not what I thought you were going to say. The uh, the whole, well, most of the Chicago contingent was uh, staying at this place, the legendary hotel similar to our Palmer House uh in downtown denver it's called the brown palace oh, and it's, it's been fantastic there. yeah it's a great place with a great bar and most of the chicago contingent was staying there now the station had put us out in golden colorado at some flea bag motel <laughs> <laughs> the motel six yeah, yeah I got by you. the way not this uh radio station of course not no. of course they would have done the same thing yeah. but uh i said i'm not going to stay in golden colorado with all due respect to coors i just not, i'm not that interested and so i wound up uh, walking into the brown palace 
And I said, I'm from Chicago. I didn't mention that I wasn't with the Democrats. I just said, I'm from Chicago. They overlooked giving me a room for some reason. Have you, have you warehoused a room or embargoed a room or put it aside because I need it? <laughs> and uh, they said, hold on a second, we'll check. And they came back and they said, do you have any, uh, you know, who are you with? And I said, well, I expect to talk to uh, James Carville. I expect to talk to the Jackson family. And that was it. Green light. Jackson family. Boom. And uh, that was it. I think they thought that I was uh, part of the party. I was just a lowly talk show host. But that was the place to be that week. Obama wasn't there, but the Clintons were certainly around. And uh, all the Chicagoans were there. Rom was there. Uh, I think, if I remember correctly, Daly was there. Wow. I mean, it was it was that bar in the Brown Palace in yep. downtown Denver. That was the place to be. The Brown pa- I stayed at the Brown Palace, and I uh, this, talk about left field. See if you remember that. The Beatles stayed at the Brown yeah. Palace. Mm-hmm. And so they have an entire floor. I stayed on this floor because I asked that has these large metal gates in the hallway. Yeah. And I asked them, I go, do you mind if I ask what the large metal gates are in the hallway? And they said, well, when the Beatles stayed here, we had people literally trying to climb in through yeah. windows. <laughs> and so they had a whole floor and we had the gates up to keep fans away from the Beatles. And they yeah. kept them as part of kind of the history and the lore of the Brown Palace. I, I'm surprised the uh, fire marshal doesn't have a problem with that. Yeah, well, they, they're not in use anymore. I was like, do they shut behind me and no they're not usable and go okay it's like a that. souvenir right yeah or they would have used them for the democrats uh that day you were there john well that place is up for grabs like i like i said that jackson family family they know how to have fun okay we'll keep that in mind as uh jonathan jackson is the latest to jump into the race the 12th for the, candidate the, literally yeah, is that, that's 12th. not an exaggeration the 12th, the 12th candidate uh, don't for, ask me the name of my candidate for uh bobby uh, rush's congressional seat hey john i i, I, I was curious and we spoke about it a little bit earlier your take on on ukraine and what's going on because you know our conversation was can putin afford to look weak and back down well he's already won i mean if he now if he backs down he will he will receive concessions from nato and from uh the united states so he's already won just with his posture and he's probably already won he sent a clear message that he doesn't want nato to extend to the ukraine border east or west uh, i guess it does now with the, on the polar side essentially but uh that's as far as we can go, and I don't think he'll take one step into Ukraine, frankly. Mm. But I think he's already won. Real okay. politique. And whenever the, you know, whenever we're distracted by Ukraine, watch for China to move against Taiwan. Right. Right. Well, and North Korea fire off missiles. Yeah. <laughs> Remember when that was a big deal when North oh, Korea yeah. used to fire off a, a an ICBM every once in a while. Now it's just like, oh god, North Korea's firing off shots again. I yeah. I have a book recommendation. Ooh, ripped from the headlines. Ken Follett is the novelist. Mm-hmm, Ken mm-hmm. Follett, pretty well known. His latest, uh, his latest novel is called Never, and it uh, has a surprise ending. Not a great ending. Oh, God. But uh, it revolves around North Korea, China, uh, and also uh, Sub-Saharan Africa. Um, wow. It, it's, it, and it takes 150 pages to start to come together, and I almost set it down uh, during the first 150 pages because I couldn't figure out these very disparate uh, storylines. I, I I didn't know how he was going to draw it together. But the last uh, 200 pages, it'll keep you up at night. Wow. And great. that's, that's all, all I need. Too. I, need to, I need to stay up, Lauren. It's a great book, <laughs> Never by Ken Follett. All right. There you go. It's it's the John Howell Book Club. I like that <laughs> on it. top of it as well. Hey, John, thanks a lot, and uh, we appreciate you spending time with us this morning. 
Have a great day. Thanks, Will man. do. He's uh, Big John Halleck. You every afternoon right here on uh, 890 WLS. And, and Nick, I know, you know, you're, you're connected to Chicago. Fantastic show on the weekend. And I got a question for you. Mm-hmm. Jonathan Jackson, jumping into that seat, into Bobby Rush's congressional seat. What about the money? Is the, Does the money follow him? Well, and that's something we talked about uh, during the reporter roundtable segment of our of our program, which you can find on the podcast page wlsam.com. <clears throat> but um, everyone seemed to think that uh, just because he has a name recognition really doesn't mean much right now because he doesn't have any financial backing. He There's no have the money. big supporters out there, right? So it would be hmm. it's going to be really tough for him to get those backers and to put a, the money that's really going to be needed. Uh, for this race, especially when you have 12, you know, 11 other people, you know, and then yourself trying to compete in that race. So, uh, I, I think whoever is, ends up with the most money is probably going to be the front runner there. Yeah. Well, it, like every other race, right? The money well, talks, yeah, if you will. Well, it is. Interesting. Cause I would have thought that the name recognition would help bring money along and maybe, uh, uh, uh the, the Jackson political machine isn't what it once was. No, but the, I mean, the name is somewhat tarnished, though, and because his brother spent some time in jail. And don't forget his brother's wife, Sandy, the former older woman. She spent time in jail, too. I mean, it's not all good when associated <laughs> with the Jackson name. Fair enough. Solid, solid deal. Thanks for that, Nick. Hey, good morning to you. A, uh, a happy Monday. It's Bruce and Judy. I want to make sure that we, you know, we don't just blow right by this. Um, Howard Hessman passed away over the weekend. Doc- Johnny Fever? Come on. Doc, that's Dr. Johnny Fever. Dr. To you. Johnny Fever uh, from uh, WKRP in Cincinnati uh, passed away at the age of 81. I think for a lot of us in radio, the, the DJs, if you will, Dr. Johnny Fever was a uh, an amalgamation of... of I got to tell you, I know some people that were pretty damn close to him. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. Like that wasn't his portrayal was spot on. Yeah, people that watch that and go, "That's kind of crazy." And go, eh, "Got to tell you, there's a lot of <laughs> old <laughs> rock DJs that that wasn't too far from it, right?" Uh, so Mandel's Orchestra with their beautiful version of the all-time favorite, "How Can I Miss You If You Won't Go Away." <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, well, again, we, Howard Hessman, uh, who did other things, don't get me wrong, was involved in other things, but I think uh, maybe most famously known as a, mm-hmm. a doctor, Johnny Fever. Are you a CVS person? i got to tell you, I, I have never quite understood um, the rationale and the reasoning behind. You go in and you buy a pack of gum. You get yourself some juicy fruit, okay? Spit it. They scan it. You give them your, I don't even know what a pack's going for, 99 cents. And then the receipt starts coming out. And the receipt can be, not an exaggeration, not inches, but feet long. Uh huh. That's a thing. Yeah, Why? It's so funny. I never really noticed it because they put all the junk on the bottom. Hey, join our rewards club. You know, uh, go here and sign up for this. Here's a coupon for you. Here's a here's an idea. Come back and we'll give you this. Here's fifteen percent off your next visit. It's unreal. It's all on your receipt. It you just keeps going and going and going. And I can only assume that the reason they keep doing it is it must be working. 
Right? I, I, I mean, somebody must be reading that receipt to the very they end. They get a lot of crap for it, though. You think they would they would shorten it up a bit? And you know what? Well, it's got everybody talking about it. See? Yeah, there you go. We're all going We're to CBS, I guess. I, I also hate, I mean, on that same vein, like everywhere you go now to the store. Did you find everything you need? Yes. Do you have a coupon? No. Do you have your card? No. Do you want to put your phone number? Oh, my God. Do you want to play Monopoly? I, yeah, exactly. Well, okay. I do play Monopoly because you never know <laughs> if you're going to get an instant winner. But, you know, do you want to put your phone number in? You, I, it just, I can never just check out. It's unbelievable. You guys wonder why I use self-checkout. Yeah. Like, I won't walk up to a place that has a person standing at it. You um, I will it. wait in line to self-checkout. At my CVS, they have a checker, a person... There usually there's nobody there. I'll wait to go use the machine. Oh yeah, I have no intention of t- talking to a person. I don't want to answer okay, your question. The only thing I, I don't, don't mind. Do yeah, hi. How are you? Oh, good. How are you? No. Nice. I don't mind that shit. Did you find everything you're I looking just, for? Yeah. I wasn't even looking for this stuff. What are you talking about? <laughs> it just happened to be here. Oh, I love when I don't. No, no, I didn't. Yeah, you, no. you never have buttery uh, popcorn that I'm looking for ever. Yeah. I have yeah. no desire to talk to well, people I just, that work I in don't want to. I don't want to have to do all those chores. I, I, I don't mind chit-chatting if it's not. I just don't want to have to put in my phone number and give them a coupon and, and you know, tell them my password and whatever. No. Again, you don't have to do that at the self-checkout. No, yeah. but, the, 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 you know, it's very simple. You know, you don't have to have the whole conversation. You Bruce, can avoid all Bruce, of that. Bruce, I'm usually buying liquor, okay? And I'm going to need someone to come over anyway. It is true. I've, that's the only time I ever go to the actual line, though, is if I have booze. Because they're yeah. someone's going to have to come over right. anyway. And they have to wait. And yeah, this way you can. I try to judge the, the cashier, make sure they're over 21. Most <laughs> okay. times they're not. Yeah, and, and they, they have, have to call, to call the manager. Over. Yeah. yeah. So um, I, I only say that because this weekend I just happened to go. There was a lot of liquor on sale. It was, a, but it was like a Sunday morning. <laughs> Okay, maybe it was yesterday. Sunday morning. Sunday <laughs> morning. Coming down. All the, all the liquor's yeah, on sale it, Sunday morning during the church. It was Saturday morning. I take it back. But I, the woman in front of me turned around and made a comment. I had a lot of liquor. It was all on sale. I'm, You know me. I buy it on sale. I'm very frugal. Mm. So I had happened to just be getting a lot. Yeah. I uh, Listen, the... the the, the idea that, I'm, it's, okay, so I take it to extremes. I admit that, that I try to avoid other human beings, you know, especially in the sales world. When I pull up to a gas pump and I put my, my credit card in and it says, see cashier, I pull my credit oh. card out and I drive across the street Absolutely. to another gas station. I am with you on that one. See cashier? Yeah. You've lost your mind. Walk inside there and pay for gas? What is this? 1974? Okay, wait. No, I will not go inside and pay for gas. If I can't pay for the gas at the pump, I don't get gas there. Period. Full stop. I don't know what's going on inside the gas station. I have no concept of it, but I'm not going in there. I would like to put on, I'm not as crazy as Bruce. I I agree with him. But I'm the same way. It is a matter of principle. Something's wrong with your pump. Right, I or mean, it's, self, it's a it's a self serve pump. Something's wrong. Yeah, and that's my thing. I'm like, it's not that I don't want to go see another human being, but I don't want to see. I'm not going to go walk in because you have a problem with your pump. No, don't ever no. buy gas in New Jersey. Then they, yeah, you're yeah, not you, it is illegal to pump your own gas in Oregon. Oregon. Oh yeah, yeah that's so crazy. I was returning a rent. I had a rental car in Oregon. Okay, yeah. and you, you got to return a rental car. You got to fill it up with gas before you return it. Of course, I pull up. I get out, I touch the handle, 
I hear people yelling at me. And well, I don't think they're yelling at me because I'm not doing anything queer. And I'm like looking around going, what the hell is going on? You can't pump your own gas. Yes, I can. I know how to do it. I'm good. Thank you. <laughs> and I'm like, no, you, you, you're not allowed to. What do you mean I'm not allowed to? You're not from around here. God dang right I'm not from around here. What are you guys talking about? Yeah, you're not allowed to pump your own gas. And I was like, this whole thing, I just was shocked. I didn't know what to answer to that. I go, is there a reason? Is this a union yeah. gig? Like, what is going on? Uh, that's your jobs program there yeah. in that state, right? You're not yeah, allowed they, to pump your own gas. They talked about it here. Oh, God. Really? Yeah. yeah. Ass. Give me a hard yes. Yeah. yeah. No, thank you. It ain't going to work. No, thank you. Hey, good morning to you. A happy Monday. It's Bruce. It's Judy. Producer Tom is here with us as well. And, you know, as as someone who travels a lot, I feel, um, yeah. so when folks ask where you're from and I say Chicago, I say it kind of and I wince because I know I'm going to have to defend the city in the next breath. I know that there is an image of Chicago that is not the image that I, that I live with. But that is being sold around the rest of the country. And if you don't already know, you should know. I mean, we are dragged through the mud in a lot of places. We are used as an example and a negative example. And I don't think it is, uh, while some of it might be fair and a fair criticism, you know, this idea that we're the murder capital, we're not. When you talk about dangerous cities, okay. Camden, New Jersey's danger, more dangerous. Birmingham, Alabama's more dangerous. St. Louis is a hell of a lot more dangerous. Yeah. But it's you don't hear them problem. as the butt of the joke. You don't hear them as the, you know, people say when I, they say, "Oh, really? Where are you from?" "Oh, I, I live in I live in Chicago." And they and they're like, "Oh, you got, you got dodge bullets on your way." Chirac. Chirac. I, that's very disappointing to hear because yeah. I I see I, I I haven't traveled a lot in the past two years, so but that's not. What I used to get. Never, I never used to. You said you're from Chicago. People were like, oh, and they, Michael Jordan, and they, I mean, I mean, they love Chicago. People love Chicago. So I'm very disappointed to hear that now it's a variety of negative things. So, um, the city of Chicago is trying to, um, polish its its image. image. Uh, Yeah. uh, yeah. And do it through advertising with a new campaign called Chicago Not in Chicago. Hmm. I don't know if I... I was going to say, right off the bat, I'm not even sure I understand it. And if if the tagline of it, Chicago Not in Chicago, doesn't... If if you can't pick it up from that immediately, is anybody going to read any farther to figure out what the hell they're talking about? Yeah, well, and the, the... Point of that is, it's touting a long list of homegrown innovations in Chicago. It says from the cell phone to the skyscraper, which is interesting. I don't. I, Chicagoans probably don't know about all the innovations that started in Chicago, right? But it just Chicago, not in Chicago. Is I don't. It's you know, I I hearken to like the best one of the best state campaigns I've ever city. Well, this is a state campaign I have ever seen. Pure Michigan, mm. right? Just simple. It under, you understand it when you hear it, right? And, and, that, and actually, if they can, they can follow in those footsteps. We'll do quite well because I mean, they literally, you know, Detroit's in Michigan. But when you think about Michigan, it's pure Michigan. Yeah, they tried it's, to it's, distance themselves oh, from Detroit. I think they were perfectly job. willing to carve it off and and let it go somewhere else. But they they took the best part of the state, right? Like so, Chicago needs, and maybe the innovation part is the best part of Chicago. But I don't know, is it? 
Mayor Lightfoot uh, introduced this new campaign, Chicago, not in Chicago, uh, saying um, Chicago has influenced the most important cities around the globe. We are home to the high rise, mobile phone, Ferris wheel. House music, coffee makers, soap opera, and many other things were all created here in Chicago. However, only a few people know that until now. I find it hard to believe that we're going to fundamentally change the image of the city of Chicago by telling people, you know, they invented the coffee maker here. Right? Like, I just yeah. don't think that's good. I'm just soap trying to help. fan invented here. And then, so the first video they're putting up on this, this is another thing I'm kind of questioning. But then again, you know, we're not PR people. Maybe it'll work. They're... They have a double-decker bus in New York. It's called the Chicago Tour. It's on the bus. But they're in New York pointing out all the things that are Chicago. So when you're in New York, you might think this all, these innovations. You'll probably think the bus got lost if you see a Chicago bus driving down New York. Where did you make a wrong turn, for God's sakes, Ohio? I feel like it's, it's like, you know, PR 101, like, don't mention the other place, right? Well, and if you're going to, take a shot. Chicago, like New York, but doesn't suck. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, you gotta, you gotta stand out in some way. We have alleys. That's where we put our garbage. That, see, I should be on the PR team. (laughs) <laughs> promote the damn alleys and our garbage uh-huh. stays in back you never see it what what should chicago be selling what what mm. should we be i was just saying so coffee much, makers i don't think is is kind of so soap much operas where you want to hang your hat on like pure michigan chicago's lakefront is a gem i mean it is gorgeous beautiful and i know now in the winter maybe you can't promote it as much but in the summer certainly not to mention there is so much to do in chicago I, I understand there's a lot to do elsewhere, but let's think about it. The Navy Pier, the Shedd Aquarium, the it, our museums are top notch. Parks. We have parks. We have parks. restaurants. Well, our bars city of neighborhoods. are the best in the universe. You know, uh, yes. it, it, there's something for everyone. Right. That's what I think they should be promoting. I mean, that's to me, that's when, when I would tell people I was from Chicago, that's what they understood. Chicago's got everything. 312-591-8900. What should Chicago be selling? It's as simple as going back to the motto, city in a garden. And then you mm. explain all the there lakefront, the, yep. the parks. I mean, like, keep it simple, stupid, but the and, mayor doesn't listen. And it's funny you mentioned that, Nick, because I don't think people understand that away from Chicago. Maybe not yeah. even the suburbs. There are no homes on the lakefront. There is nothing on the yeah. lakefront but land. That's why I say it's such a gem. Anywhere else you go, Wisconsin, along uh, like Michigan, Wisconsin, Michigan, it's it's all homes. Yeah. Now I kind of would like a home on the lakefront in Chicago, <laughs> but all right, fine, Burnham, keep your land. I mean, there, it's 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 gorgeous, it's beautiful, it's and it's free, all free. You will have to pay to park. Chicago, not in Chicago. I just don't think it means anything. It's almost poking fun at ourselves. Yeah. Right. That's, it, right. It's, not good. It's self-deprecating, not in a good way. Right, exactly. Yeah, I don't, yeah. I feel like it should be, you know, we are Chicago. Well, I and again, I feel like I, I, you know, I have to be a member of the Chamber of Commerce or something when I'm defending Chicago. And I say, you know, well, you know, it's really dangerous there. There's a couple neighborhoods that you probably don't want to be out at at 2 in the morning, okay? Full stop. But by the way, every city yeah, has got some neighborhoods everywhere. that you don't want to be out at at 2 in the morning. Right. Having said that... Chicago's an amazing place, for goodness sakes. It is an amazing place. And I think that they've gotten away from selling the positives, and it's, it almost sounds like they're playing defense. Right. 
That's exactly what it is. Stop playing defense. Sell the positives that is Chicago. I mean, you look at some of these amazing pictures, even in the winter. Don't get me wrong, but like uh, uh, I saw... There's a he's on Instagram and I apologize I forget his name I follow him because he has these amazing shots of the city and he had one of you know uh, of, of the ice on the uh, on is the, it Barry Butler yes Barry yeah. Butler yes. photography very oh good my God. and and you look at this and go that's a that's amazing that's in the United States it looks amazing look at that it yeah. is beautiful without a doubt you talk about some of the the, the you know going to the the top of uh, of of the Willis Tower you know mm-hmm. like that pronounce Sears. Yeah, come on. Uh, you know, you, you, you talk about these that's things serious. and looking out at, at the city, and that's it's something like, that I, you just I, don't get other yeah, places. Our fest, Lollapalooza, you know, Chicago, uh, Chicago Fest, hilarious. But how do they Chicago not? Fest? How do they not understand that? Like the city of neighborhoods, which I think is a, a hell of a selling point. You know, uh, that that these these neighborhoods have these really unique personalities to them it's almost like well what do you like we got a neighborhood for that <laughs> you know what i'm saying like oh, yeah. oh yeah we got one of those you want the best vietnamese in the city we got a neighborhood for that yeah best polish best mexican best do, do German, you know what i'm saying like, everything like yeah. there's something oh, yeah. yeah that's what they should have done that's what they they should have gone that way it's almost like um because i'm i'm like in, totally into ozark I'm, I don't know what season I'm on, but they're always <laughs> the new one is four. They're, the last one. Their big mantra is always staying ahead of it. We got to get ahead of it. We got to get ahead of it. I almost feel like Chicago didn't get ahead of this quick enough. The whole mm. violence thing, because they should have been shooting back every time. Nope. We're not as bad as, you know, Washington, D.C. We're not as bad as Alabama. We're and they weren't. They were just I get why they were concentrating on Chicago. But they now I feel like it's a too little too late. And don't now don't even mention it. Mm. Just mention all the good stuff. Don't even talk about the bad hey, stuff. Hey, uh, Lou in, in Mantoon, what have you gotten to? You there? Yeah. Hello. Hey, go right ahead. Okay, yeah, I was stationed overseas. Oh, really? Yeah, I was stationed overseas, and when I told the people I was from Chicago, they always said gangster. Oh, oh. Al Capone. Yeah. Yeah, they had a bad reputation for that. Well, you say a bad reputation. I appreciate it. I, I think movies like The Godfather might have changed that. Like, when you say Al Capone and gangsters, people go, it's kind of cool. Or The Untouchables, yeah. man. Yeah. You know, you watch yeah. The Untouchables, like, look at how beautiful Well, because you, you, so knew, cool. <laughs> you knew that, that that wasn't necessarily going to affect you. It was a glamour you. thing Yeah, thank then. you very yeah, much. There was a glamour not. to the gang mm-hmm. life. Yeah. There isn't today, by yeah. any any stretch of the imagination, to uh, to say the least. There you go. Hey, good morning and happy Monday to you. Thanks for spending some time with us today. Bruce and Judy with you. And, well, it appears that uh, during the old pando, tipping has gone up people are being more generous with their tips and i guess if i think about it i i can understand that and i i agree because i found myself especially when places were finally open and someone did finally come to my table and i could sit down i'm thinking restaurants mostly i do find myself being more generous understanding or acknowledging kind of what they're all going through right well i mean we heard kind of the horror stories right about servers and and people in customer service and how hard it was they, they were doing the job now of five people and stretch you know, thin yeah, in a lot of places thin. they have to work during covid when it was you know at its worst and everyone else got to stay home and yada 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 so yeah i agree i i do have a little so well for example 
the percentage of remote transactions in which the customer uh, tipped when it was offered soared from 46% before the pandemic to 80%. And you know how we mostly we were tipping 20%. Now it's 21% is the average. So people are tipping a lot more. I got a coffee yesterday. This is one of those things. And I, th- I think they've tricked me into it. So I'm, I get my coffee. And it's one of those Apple thingies, you know. Apple they have the, the and they've got like a, a an iPad screen, and I'm just a coffee guy hands me the coffee. Do you want to tip fifteen, twenty, or twenty five percent? It did. I'm like, oh, I gotta pick one. Christ, they're looking at me. I'm like, uh, uh, I'll tip him fifteen percent, I guess, for handing me the sliding the coffee across the, the little counter. I mean, I uh, well, he got you, didn't he? No, yeah, you suckered me into it. No tip. Thanks, no. No, I can't do And that. that's so deceitful to me. He should have said, would you like to tip? No, one, they have five, a little, they have little screen and yeah. you just, it's right there. You no, don't have a choice. Everything you, choice you pay for now like that. Anything, anytime I pick up, I get that. And you're right. It's a little, I'm like, I'm embarrassed. And then I said to myself, wait a second. I drove over here. I'm picking it up. I'm now you're handing it's, me the bag. Right, it's not like you you brought it to my right. table or you took my order. Okay, you're I get that. You're already charging me more. You're mm. I'm already paying fees for everything, even if I'm picking it up. Everything costs more. So I was working at McDonald's, but you don't feel the need to tip them, do you? Well, why not? They're serving you food, but no. Society says don't tip these guys over here, but tip these guys over here. Damn Mr. Right. Pink, Mr. Pink has it all figured out. It's odd where we tip, where we don't tip, yeah. why we tip some people. Wait, you're right. Why don't you tip the guy at McDonald's? Right. But the person that hands you the food through the through the drive-through window, how are they any different from the guy that just slid me a cup of coffee across the counter? Right. That's what they're supposed to do. That's your job, isn't food. it? Food. I don't Did understand. Did you go above and beyond? Yeah. <laughs> that's well. You know what? That's when you should tip. Going above <sighs> and beyond. But I mean, now it's like every, you know there are cups out everywhere, tip jars, I should say. I mean, it's just it's unfathomable to me. I and that started actually even before the pandemic a little bit, but during the pandemic, it's now full blown. So here, here it is. And so the average person tips twenty percent at a sit down restaurant. I do as well. First number, double it. Round up. First number, double it. This is the only way I can do it because it involves math. Okay, but they say delivery, the average is about 17%. I don't know how you figure that out. And then carryout is 15%. And I never used to tip on carryout. Like I, I, I used to order pizza. You go pick up the pizza, you know, you can have it delivered or carryout. Oh, I'll do carryout. Why am I tipping if you didn't bring me the pizza? I don't ever tip on carryout. <sighs> no. But they've conned me into it now. There are some places... That you ha- that don't they don't deliver. You have to go pick it up. Must must pick. Well, now I got a tip. No, you're forcing me to pick it up. You're not even giving me a choice. I will tell you, I ordered a sandwich. Well, when I had while I was homesick, I couldn't go out. I, two sandwiches actually. I won't even say from where. But not that it matters. I want to say it was twenty six dollars. Okay. <laughs> I mean. It- I paid like it was like getting three sandwiches, but I only got two. But that's how much more after the tax and the delivery Fees, charge delivery and, the, and the tip. And, if they're charging a delivery fee, do I need to tip also? Yeah. That's the thing. Why isn't the delivery yeah. fee part of the tip? Isn't that going to the person delivering? I'm, I'd have I to see know. the breakdown. It depends on the breakdown. But you see you what do. I'm saying, Tom? I'm, no, in my head, you. I'm thinking, okay, it's $5 delivery fee. Well, isn't that 5 bucks for you delivering it? i got to tip I you on like that. I would like to know that. We should ask, if you're a delivery person, 312-591-8900, because I've always wondered, do you get paid 
or is it all tips? It's not like a, it's different from being oh. like a server, right? That they get some base salary. Like I don't two know. Bucks yeah, and I then don't tips. know about people who deliver because I always tip. I'm on not delivery. trying to screw people out of anything. No, don't I get know. me wrong, but I also feel there's a certain measure of. They're trying to trick me into tipping when maybe I've already tipped. That's like the ones that, that include the tip already. And then they still have a line for you to tip, hoping that I didn't actually read the receipt, right, which I normally don't. And then I tip <laughs> yep. on top of the tip. Yep. Well, they're saying now for like Uber and um, Lyft, they're, before it was when you... I tip every time now. Af- but yeah. after, you tipped after your ride. When you got you can home, tip before. You can tip during it now. Well, now they're... Yeah, yeah, they're putting it up oh, and yeah. saying, "Wow, during your ride, during the ride, and, I can which tip. is like even it's just more pressure, right? Because sometimes it, a day will go by and I'll be like, oh, I forgot to tip. I always do tip. But that's probably why just the people who aren't tipping. So just a friendly reminder as you're still in the car needing to get to the airport in five minutes. If I may ask, I, I want just to judge from both of you. All right. Um, what do you think the tipping wage is in Chicago? Now, the tipping wage is like. Your bar right, backs, right, 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 yeah, right, right. You work, you work for tips, but you have a base. You have to have a base okay. salary, okay, a ba- or a base wage rather. I'm going to say four fifty, two fifteen. Wow. Okay, both came under. When I was working as a bar back, it was about five ninety five. Five ninety five. But I, but they record all your tips and mm-hmm. they tax you on them. Mm. When I was That's a server, issue. it was about a dollar fifty, and they Ooh. they didn't know how much I made in tips. Because yeah, they would you come up. You have to. You have to. You got to report the yeah, tips. Report Legally they, speaking, they got to report. They them. would come up to me every few months and say, Legally. Uh, "You need to be a little bit more honest about your tips. You're too low." Hey, good morning to you. A happy Monday. We jump into the seven o'clock hour. Take a look at the big stories people are talking about, and then there were two. The NFL season comes down to two teams. The Cincinnati Bengals will be taking on the Los Angeles Rams in Los Angeles in their home stadium after two pretty darn exciting games yesterday, Judy. We've got a whopper of a winter storm headed our way later this week. Oh, you could get six six inches. You could get a foot. Depending on where you live, stay tuned. We'll keep you updated. The U.N. Security Council is meeting today for the first time to discuss Russia's troop buildup and its threatening actions against Ukraine. Let's find out how ineffective they can be this time around. Uh, we just mentioned the Super Bowl. It was a, a big weekend, but, you know, there, there was a lot of sports headlines going on. Joining us right now is WLS sports guru Bob Martier. Rob, good morning. Wow. I mean, I'm not sure how the NFL was going to top two weekends ago. Yeah. But they, they did. Yeah. Yesterday. Pretty amazing. I mean, everyone thought, well, there's no way you can have close games, walk off, all this drama, comebacks. And they did it again. And, and not only that, but yesterday's two games, I, I think it's safe to say kind of the undercurrent to the other NFL news that came out just prior to the weekend. And that was the retirement of Tom Brady. Now, when well, is he going to officially did, announce? Did he retire, Rob? Know. Did he huh? retire? Well, you know, it's so funny because you've got to be careful in the news business. And I, and I say that news, sports, entertainment, anytime you're reporting on something that is breaking, it's amazing how quickly it becomes very murky and vague uh-huh. because when the story first came out, it, the, the suggestion was, oh, well, Tom Brady is going to announce the retirement like right now. He's going to retire. And then all of a sudden it changed to, well, 
he's going to retire, but he hasn't officially announced it. And there's a reason for that, because uh, on the table is about $15 million for Tom Brady if he waits to officially announce on Friday. But even that is murky, Bruce. Really? Yes. Wow. Yeah. And the, the reason being, it, I, I, I've tried to wrap my head around this because, <laughs> as, as you know, contracts can get a bit complicated sure. at times, uh, especially when you're talking about professional athletes. Some guys, especially of Tom Brady's stature, um, they want to play. They want to try to win championships. So they'll have signing bonuses. They'll have deferred money. They'll have guaranteed money. They'll have contract money. With all of that said, on its surface, if Tom Brady waits until Friday, which is the 4th, he will be owed $15 million of $20 million. Now, however, some of that money of his overall contract might have to be paid back if the Buccaneers ask for it back. <laughs> Pretty please. <laughs> right. So here's the deal. He's yeah, $16 million, they're saying. They could ask for $16 million back. Yeah, you're exactly right, Judy. And that's, that's, again, that's where it kind of gets murky. Mm. He's scheduled to earn a base salary of just under $9 million. Now, he has a signing bonus of $15 million, a roster bonus of $1.4. There's your $16 million. Right. He's got an incentive bonus of one8 that makes the salary cap hit of uh, $20.2 million, give or take, okay? Mm. But here's the deal. If he decides to hang it up on Friday, the Buccaneers can ask for the $16 million back. Wow. What if he waits and retires like right before the season, next season? This season, I should say. Yeah, that won't happen because there are dates on the NFL calendar uh, that teams and players need to get to as far as mm. contracts are concerned right. and registering with the league. And I th- look at that information would take us about two hours. I was going to say, can we not get into sell <laughs> right. cap and uh, right. cap management? Hey, have we been here before? Has Tom Brady said he was retiring before? I feel like this is deja vu. Well, he is 63 years old. But you right. know what I mean? In yeah. other years, I feel like he's this has come up before with Tom Brady in the past yeah, well, few he, years. He's, he and he and Giselle and the family have bought a, a space in Del Boca Vista Phase 2. Uh, <laughs> yeah, money's so, not uh, his issue anymore. Let's get that out of the way. It's, it's no. merely a way to keep track now. He's not going to miss any meals. I thought that uh, Brady floated this also just so he could squash Ben Roethlisberger's uh, announcement that he was retiring as well. Everybody forgot about Big Ben retiring pretty damn quick. Yeah, I don't. I, I don't see Tom Brady making a move like that. I do, look at whether he announced before Ben Roethlisberger or after Ben Roethlisberger or on the same day as Ben Roethlisberger. They're really in two different categories. Don't get me wrong. Big Ben was a great quarterback. Won two Super Bowls. Went to three. His legacy is secured. But Tom Brady is in a league of his own. That's why they call him the greatest of all time. Um, you know, and if you go in the Wayback Machine, he was drafted, what, 199? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, he was the backup to Drew Bledsoe yes! in 2001. <laughs> when Bledsoe got hurt, that's, that's when he came when in. Brady's Everything changed. Started unfolding. You remember, he beat the St. Louis Rams in Super Bowl XXXVI. Um, now, I'm not sure which one that is, but that oh, was a while I... ago. And that was the greatest show on turf, and he beat the Rams. Back so. in the day, without a doubt. So, listen, we, speaking of the Super Bowl, we know that we finally have our, our matchup. I thought this was an interesting little nugget, okay? 
tell me if you're as excited about this as I am. It took 55 Super Bowls for a home team to play. That happened last year with Tampa Bay. The first time the home team ever played in the Super Bowl. Mm -hmm. Now we're going to do it two years in a row. The Rams are playing in their home stadium, SoFi Stadium in L.A. I know. Isn't that cool? And here's an interesting little nugget as well that I saw flash across the uh, crawl on the TV as they were bombarding us with information following uh, yesterday's two games. This is also the first Super Bowl since 1990 to not feature a top two seed. Both of these teams are oh. four seeds. I was so, going to ask you, were they were, were these two teams supposed to win? Were they supposed to be here? Well, it, it, certainly not the no Bengals. Saw it, not the Bengals. <laughs> not, not the Bengals. Bengals. Especially playing the Chiefs in Kansas City. Uh, if you've ever been to Kansas City, if you've ever seen a Kansas City Chiefs game at Arrowhead Stadium, that is a loud place to play. It's yeah. very uh, inhospitable. Uh, the, the, the fact that the Bengals win is a is a huge upset. Now, as far as the Rams are concerned, I mean, you look, they've got so many weapons on offense, yeah. Stafford quarterback, OBJ at wide receiver, you got Aaron Donald, you got Vaughn Miller. I mean, th- that team is stacked. Yeah. They so went all in, and over the year, I mean, they just kept adding players, you know, because that was right. this was their chance. Exactly, exactly. So, but it is interesting because uh, both of these teams sputtered at times during the year. Um, you know, certainly, look at Joe Burrow was abused this season. I think he was the most sacked quarterback. I think this season, if my memory serves me mm-hmm. correct, I mean, he just got hammered. <laughs> So it's going to be interesting to see what happens on Super Bowl Sunday. Well, yeah. Rob, do you think it's going to be a good matchup? I Look, at, I really do because I didn't think uh, two weekends ago you had four great games. Uh, three of them, I think three of the four came down to the wire. And so, you know, yesterday the league copped that. I, this could be a very, very exciting Super Bowl. Yeah. You know, and I'm, look, I'm, I'm looking at our, our friends in Detroit who can hear us right now. And, you know, thinking about the Lions, you know, if only they had a quarterback – Who's good enough to go to the Super Bowl? Gosh, do they even have? Do they even have a football team? You know, there is that in and of itself. Well, Matt Stafford's going, uh, and we now learn it wasn't a Matt Stafford problem in Detroit, to say the least. Hey, uh, Rob, no. appreciate your time. Thank you, sir. All right, guys, take care. He's a WLS sports guru, Rob Martier. As the Super Bowl is set, and Brady might be uh, waiting to officially announce his retirement because there are dollars attached to it. Hey, good morning and happy Monday to you. Uh, the weather's actually going to be pretty decent today, but it's going to go downhill pretty quickly. Did you know today is the 11th anniversary of the Snowmageddon? The one that stranded all the people on Lakeshore and all that? Oh, 11th yeah. anniversary, and we'll see if we can kind of repeat it maybe on uh, Tuesday or Wednesday of this week as uh, more snow is going to be heading our way. But the 11th anniversary of Snowmageddon. Slept at the radio one. station that day. Did you really? Right. Yep. Mm-hmm. You just couldn't, to... couldn't get home or you were... People... We were pretty sure people would not be able to get in the next morning, which turned out to be true. So I worked my day shift and then slept at the station and worked the morning shift. Man, it's dedicated. Just going to throw it in. Really? Dedicated, Nick Gale. All right. Appreciate that. I'm sure everyone else appreciated it, too, so they could get the information they needed to make it through. Well, they just needed to stick their head outside and say, oh, I'm not going to work today. (laughs) Well, there is that. But sometimes it takes you to do it for us. But that's why you're up early in the morning as well. That's why you're up at the crack of dawn. And it turns out that there are some benefits 
if you are an early riser. You know, and I always heard this, I guess, to a certain extent. I, I, I don't know if you ever hear one of these, you know, TED Talks or these really successful people talk about, I sleep till noon every day. Like, you just don't hear that. You know, the, it's always these people getting up early. My dad used to say that. You're sleeping the day away. We're burning daylight. You know, you heard all those things. But there are apparently some benefits if you are an early riser, Judy. And you forgot the most famous one, the early bird gets the worm. They do get worms. If you, I don't want worms. Like, yeah. So here, so here are the benefits. More time for yourself. More time to exercise. Ugh. Less time in traffic. More time to get things done. Healthier skin. Fewer dark circles. By waking up early? More time for breakfast, yeah. Doesn't nuts. that have more to do with when you go to sleep? You would think, because I would have dark circles under my eyes if... And I do from getting up this early. None of these benefits, except maybe less time in traffic, convinces me that I need to get up earlier. Yeah. I get up earlier because I have to. You know, I, I've known people uh, work-wise who are the, the get into the office at 7 or something like that. You know, and most people don't start trickling in maybe till 8, 45, 9 o'clock. And they do it because, well, I can get all this stuff done, you know, before there's a line outside my door. Or the emails start flying, or the Zoom calls start, or whatever. So I guess I can understand that on a on a certain but level. But I wonder how many of those people are like, oh, been up since three because I can't get to sleep. Might mm. as well go into the office early and get some stuff done. I feel like there are a lot of people like that who just and you know who just you, give up on well, when, like when you get in the towel. right when you get older. Of course, you start getting up earlier. I mean, for women when they hit menopause. Urgh. They start getting up. You know, there are other things that make you get up earlier. And some people just as you know, maybe they were great sleepers when they were younger. And then they hit their, I don't even their 30s or 40s. And all of a sudden things just happen. Whatever the reason, I think there's a good chunk of people who get up because they can't sleep. Well, sleep habits do change. I mean, there's no doubt about it. I mean, I am fascinated at the amount of time my nephew can sleep. It is unreal. It's amazing. Yeah. I mean, and it's not. But is he staying up till all hours of the night till one in the morning gaming? Because that's yeah. what my kids would do. Oh, he plays video late. games yeah. till one or two in the morning, but he can still sleep till noon. And I'm like, how do you do that? How do you sleep till noon, one o'clock? How is that? You know why they don't have? What do they have to do? When you're young like that, you don't have any responsibilities, really. You get social obligations, maybe. Yeah, at night. Got to meet some be- guys over at the roller rink, you know. At the play- Play a few rounds of cruising, you know? Foosball. Yeah. You know, there's a tournament going on. Wait, and that's the other thing, though. When you get to a certain age where you can drink, you start going out so late. I'm like, I can't meet that late. Nine o'clock. Well, that's like a European thing, too. When I I remember being stunned at, uh, you know, like, we're going to dinner. It's nine o'clock at night. Yeah, we're going going now to dinner. No, we should not be going to dinner at nine o'clock at night. We should be getting ready to tuck ourselves in, for goodness sake. Well, that's it's that siesta that you take in the middle of the day yeah. in Europe. Very, very uh, egalitarian sort yeah. of thing. Best thing ever. Hey, Terry, you've got a suggestion for Judy. There you go. Judy, you get up at nine o'clock on a Saturday, you start drinking at noon. <laughs> if you get up at three in the morning, you can start drinking at six in the morning. Oh, <laughs> wow. Would you have to? Now you made it so much more difficult. Yeah. Game changer. Yeah, game changer. Wow. Thank you, Terry, yeah. for that suggestion. And, <laughs> and I don't know why, but you know, I it literally came up yesterday because I I told my mom, I asked her about her wine consumption, and she bristled, 
and reminded me <laughs> that she waits until five o'clock every day. She watches uh-huh. the clock. She's so old school. And she doesn't have her first glass of wine until five o'clock. Because if you drink before five o'clock, you have a drinking problem. If you drink at five o'clock, you're a wine connoisseur. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> my mom, my mom can yeah. say that with a straight face. Yeah. It's I'm amazing. an early drinker, and I'm damn proud of it. Yeah. Well, you can't Earlier drink all day better. if you don't start in the morning. There, there you go. go. Well, and the problem is I don't want to drink all day. I want to drink early, be done with it, and then get to bed by whatever time. Nine. Yeah. I, you know, and the whole thing, like, and it gets into that whole nine to five work day, which granted may be going the way of the buggy whip, you know, lately, because people are certainly changing the definition of that. But I just think there should be an acknowledgement that some people are more productive at different times of the day. And the idea that everybody is um, bright eyed, bushy tailed and great from nine to five is ridiculous. Some people are. Are not, so, speaking of mom, again, let's get away from the wine. She loves it when I make her sound like a boozer. Um, she had a, worked at a company where it was a software company, you know, and they had all these, like, software engineers, you know, these techie people and computer nerds, let's be honest with one another. The office was open 24 hours a day. I know this because she told me you know, they catered meals. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner was delivered there. Why? Because there were people working there. And it was one of these things where if you want to come in at 9 o'clock at night and work until 7 a.m., knock yourself out. If that's how you want to do your job, that's when you're best at computer. So there was people coming and going at all times because it was based around when are you most productive, not you got to be here at clock in at 9 and at 5 o'clock we blow the whistle and everybody heads to the bar. And I was like, what's kind of, you know. Yeah, when, how that's changed in this new world of ours, Without right? Without a doubt. Without a doubt. See what you did there. Hey, good morning to you. A happy Monday. It's Bruce and Judy and producer Tom's got a little little Van Halen for you there with uh, with Jump. Why are we speaking about jumping? Well, the Olympics are set to kick off. The Winter Olympics. And part of that is the ski jumping, which might be one of the most exciting, oh, exhilarating and dangerous Olympic sports ever invented. And joining us right now is Dr. Dan O'Neill. He's the former team physician for the U.S. Alpine Ski Team and the U.S. Ski Jumping Team. Good morning, Dr. Dan. How are you? I'm I'm brilliant, Bruce. Thanks so much for having me on. Well, we know that, uh, you know, right here, uh, we've got some members, some some local kids done good, uh, headed to the Olympics, including members of that that ski jumping team who who really learned their trade, learned that here. I, I can I just start with the first question: How does one learn to do ski jumping like that? It strikes me that how it looks dangerous as hell, sir. It is, but remember, you start out as a little kid, and they have no fear. <laughs> But if you, if you went to Lake Placid, you would see maybe 15 jumps as you stand in one place to, to that monstrously huge jump that you can't even imagine. The 90 meter, they right? out on these little jumps, and they worked their way up. Actually, one of my most fun uh, competitions that I covered was the Nationals out in Chicago um, and a beautiful uh, uh, jump that you guys have. And it was summertime. You know, they do it now. They don't need snow. They do it on fiberglass and... and and uh, astroturf and such, and it's it's really pretty amazing. Wow! So they they don't need snow to practice. 
they don't need snow. As a matter of fact, the, the, the kids don't even care uh, summertime or wintertime. It, it doesn't really matter to them. And, and as a matter of fact, the, the conditions are more stable, you know, in the summertime when, you, when you're just going through those tracks, yeah. Oh, that's interesting. And i got to ask hmm. you, Dr. Dan, are you there to stand by just in case? Yeah, so basically <laughs> when you're working as a ski doctor, you're just hoping obviously nobody gets hurt, and then you, you know, you'll ski down or, or in the case of the jumpers, you know, you're, you're standing at the bottom. And you just go out. But really, yeah, your job is to, just like with any other sports uh, venue, your job is to hope that nobody gets injured. Yeah, what did the agony of defeat do for your world, right? I mean, because that's when you, when I think about ski jumping, I can't get away from the uh, the wide world of sports. <laughs> yeah, the ski jumper who fell before he even got to the jump part. Yeah, and the, the amazing thing is he did not get injured. <laughs> and, and I must admit, you know, with the alpine skiing, for sure, you know, I've been there for a number of injuries and, you know, dislocated uh, shoulders and, and, and broken uh, uh, legs and this sort of thing. Luckily, with the ski jumping touch wood, there's really been very few uh, injuries. And it's an amazingly safe sport, you know, all things being considered. I was gonna, we're grading on a curve. When you say amazingly safe, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna to grade that on a curve, sir. <laughs> Fair enough. That's that's a good point. Okay, I just make what you know, well, <laughs> relative. Yeah, yeah, and it, I mean, obviously, launching it, yourself off uh, of yeah, this I thing could, and yeah. flying through the air, relatively. Well, first of yeah. all, I'm afraid of heights, so is that going to be a problem uh, for me to be a jumper? Be a uh, it, it is a problem. We uh, for many years, where I was taking a bunch of students over to Lake Placid uh, during one of the competitions, and we were doing studies on some of the kids and uh, yeah they had to definitely find that because you're walking up the stairs along that ski jump to get up there you know if you don't want to take the elevator and it's um it's intimidating uh, to say the least but one of the ski jumpers of one of my first competitions they explained to me that ideally when you land it's like getting up off a couch you know you're coming out of the air and you're just it's such a smooth Descent. And again, as you point out, that's, uh, that's if you do it properly, yeah. <laughs> which not even we're talking to Dr. Dan O'Neill. He's the former team doc for the U.S. Alpine ski team and the U.S. ski jumping team. I, so what what makes a good ski jumper? Like, is there a, is there a, uh, a type? Is it is it is it body type? Is it personality? What makes somebody good at that? Yeah, unfortunately, it's one of the sports where a power to weight ratio is, is is important. These kids can't be really big. They're not. They're not the alpine ski uh, racers who are just you know blocks of granite. These guys are generally lighter, smaller people. And 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 same with the women. Um, they just they tend to be uh, you know tall, lanky, and uh, uh, you know as as the uh, folks will tell you, you know, fat doesn't fly. And, uh, so, you know, like so many competitions, like figure skating, like gymnastics, uh, you know, that, you know, having that lower body weight uh, is, is uh, sadly part of the game. Yeah. Now, and since you're a ski doctor, I, I would imagine you are a good skier. You know, I'm, I can I can get down the slope, you know, these alpine uh, races. It's just pure ice. Right. And personally, I'm, I'm terrified most of the time. And. Mm. One of my rules is the, is the doctor is not not allowed to hurt himself. <laughs> Solid so, argument. Rule. Yeah, good good call. Yeah. <laughs> so, 
we're talking. Well, I'm, home, I'm not going to go out for hopefully uh, when I get out, finish with patients today. Get out for a quick cross country ski of one of our areas here. Look at oh, that. See, I think I could cross country ski. That's yeah. just the walking, right? It's just the walking. walking. Okay, yeah. Yeah. Slightly more that. than walking, yes, but yeah, it's in there. Dr. Dan O'Neill <laughs> is the uh, former team doc for the U.S. Alpine Ski Team and the U.S. Ski Jumping Team. Do, do Americans have an advantage in this, or uh, why do I think that uh, kids that grow up in these Nordic countries and, you know, these these places that are snowbound 348 days a year have an advantage over the Americans? Oh, oh completely. Uh, we really have a very small group of kids that we pick from, you know, because they have to be exposed to it. And there are only a few exposure sites, again, Chicagoland being one of them. But, uh, you know, Salt Lake City and, and Steamboat and, and uh, you know, Lake Placid, of course. So it really is that the Nordic countries, this is what they're all about. And, you know, the Austrians show up at the ski competitions with a the big buses and is painted and they're rock stars, just like uh, the NFL and the NBA players in this country. Uh, the uh, uh, skiers uh, in uh, the, those other con- uh, European countries are, are superstars. Absolutely. So it's more about, I mean, constant practice then. I, you know, I was wondering, if, is, there, is there ever a jumper who's just such a pristine athlete that, you know, they, they could do it on their first try? Yeah, no, really. <laughs> First try. Well, you know what I mean. Someone who just has, <laughs> like you said. That's why the doc is standing yeah. by. Okay, let's well, uh, <laughs> uh, Someone who's, you know, who's just such a superb athlete that they just, yeah. you know, they can do it rather than someone who's spent their entire life practicing. Like a natural. Yeah, natural. Yeah. No, I don't think that really <laughs> it, it's such a It's such a unique um in terms of ski jumping, it's such a unique position and the aerodynamics and there's so much to it that uh, it would be a pretty steep learning curve. And for sure, a little bit like ballet, trying to get into it, say, at the age of 25 would be really, really difficult because it's such an odd uh, specific thing to do. Yeah. Yeah. Doc, thank you very much. <laughs> Appreciate your insight into it, and uh, hopefully, no one needs your uh, uh, y- y- your your services today. We wish you the best of luck. Thank you guys so much, and we're all excited for the Olympics. Here, here, Doctor Dan O'Neill uh, again, the former team doc for the U.S. Alpine Ski Team and the U.S. Ski Jumping what Team. What a cool job! Yeah, the ski jumping is just again. I just look at. I, I realize you know, like you work yourself up to it, but you got to look when the, when you see them flying through the air. You're like, I'm going to guess the ones who aren't very good at this are in traction somewhere, and that's why they're not mm-hmm. actually uh, participating in this. Like you don't have a large. Uh, room for error in that. Hey, good morning. A happy Monday to you. It's Bruce and Judy. Producer Tom is in here. In for producer Miranda on the other side of the double pane bulletproof glass over there. Nick Gale, don't worry. He's on top of everything you need to know. And uh, when you were in high school, um, there were these uh, like required books or there was a, a list that you could read from. I liked reading. I liked literature, like the English class. You know, uh, I was I was a bit of a reader. Uh, I figured I better be do good at that because the math was not going to help me. I was trying to balance it out. Um, and I remember reading uh, To Kill a Mockingbird, Harper Lee's uh, classic, uh, if you will, a Pulitzer Prize winning book, um, which has a moral tale to it. So why are schools, specifically we have one school in Washington now, banning to kill a mockingbird, for God's sakes? Yeah, um, it's this new trend, right, um, with people. Uh, 
I don't know. They're saying it's the language. It's the it's the white savior complex sort of thing. I'm not really understanding uh, why. Is it if it's because they say it's it's not appropriate? Well, what it strikes me is it's kind of like remember when Huck Finn, you know, for a while uh, they banned it because of language in there and and, Tom Sawyer as well. Tom Sawyer, that whole thing, but. To me, you're doing a, a bit of a disservice. And the disservice is, you know, this used to be a very different country. You know, we used to treat people differently. 50, 100, mm-hmm. 150 years ago, whatever it might be. And this idea that you can get rid of history by just not teaching it and not learning about it, I think is fundamentally is a problem right there. Yeah, and I mean, sometimes the language, it is uncomfortable. Okay. It's uncomfortable to see the N-word instead of, but they didn't say African-American back no, then. No, that wasn't a term. And it need, <laughs> they yeah, and just it. because you're uncomfortable doesn't mean you shouldn't know about it. It's, yeah, this is uncomfortable, and that's how it was, and it's good that you're uncomfortable about it. Well, it, it kind of gets into what's the role of schools, I guess, on some level. Should there be... The conversation around how certain characters are portrayed or certain language in classic works of literature. Should that happen in a school environment or should you just leave it up to the kids? Like the idea that they aren't going to figure it out or they're not going to be exposed to certain words right. or, or gonna ideas. Try, yeah, you're going to try to pretend it didn't happen. Yeah, this isn't you happening. This isn't happening. You, this isn't happening. Yeah, you just said it. You read To Kill a Mockingbird. I read it. In high school. High school. Sophomore, they're still on the reading list. What's the difference? What happened between mm-hmm. the time you read it and be and now when you want another high schooler to read it? What's the difference in America that we don't want to know about this book now? Right. It was it was on every reading list for years. Yeah, and all of a sudden mm, now no. we're looking at it no. differently. Yeah, why? Yeah, I, I, I again, I, I don't want to gloss over. Uh and I'm not trying to discount that some classic works of literature that maybe we've read or we're on approved reading lists for kids have some questionable content in them. Agreed. Times change. But as opposed to throwing the book out, right. I'm not in favor of book burnings in any way, shape, or form. Use that as the stepping off point to have the discussion about right. it. Yeah, wow, look how much been. things have changed since 1960. Yeah. You know, I mean, Har- Harper Lee wrote it, what, 61, I think, is when... Yeah, but it, but it was it really, it was based in the 30s. Right, though. even that. So, I mean, right. even then, you know, so, so, but, but so many works of, 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 of history, works of art, works of literature, film, or whatever... When you hold them up to a 2022 standard, they might make you cringe a little. Well, there's the discussion. Exactly. There's the learning opportunity. Yeah, you teach it differently. You don't, you know, there was some uh, criticism of um, Atticus Finch as the greatest man on the face of the planet, you know. Well, so then you even teach that a little bit differently. That isn't even the whole thrust of the book, right? Yeah, good lawyer. But (laughs) you know what I mean? You teach the things that need to be taught today. Well, and, 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 and I the again i i I, i'm not i don't i'm not outraged and this is not one of these i'm not gonna uh, march around it's a work of literature it's a work of fiction these are characters you know what i'm saying and 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 the character isn't supposed to be your version of perfect it's a character that the in this case author plays out over the over the course of a a moment in time Mm -hmm. that 
taught and still teaches something. It, te- it can everyone can get something from To Kill a Mockingbird. I didn't read this book until I was much maybe ten years ago. No, on the train one day. I think I read it there and back. I, well, you know, it's I, it. It has something for everyone. It, there, there's still something important about knowing To Kill a Mockingbird, knowing this book. Susan, in Plainfield, what point do you have? Um, yeah, no, you're right. It's so important that these books need to stay in the schools. You cannot erase history. It's part of our lives. And they tried to do that in Germany years ago, like sure. during World War after World War II. They did not teach their kids, their kids, about what their grandfathers and fathers did. And then finally, they started bringing it back because they realized, no, history will repeat itself. Yeah, but I mean, and, and again, it, it doesn't change the history. <laughs> do you know what I'm saying? I mean, the history is what it is. I would rather have an unvarnished look at the reality. I, you know, I'd rather read Tom Sawyer and look at how, uh, in in that era, the difference in race. And then again, th- where is the discussion that builds out of that? Are we just too afraid to have that conversation? Uh, well, some people don't want, I don't know, it's not being afraid. They just don't want to have the conversation. They don't, it's not. This important. isn't happening. This it's isn't like happening. It's almost not important anymore. But hmm. it is important to some people, to a certain group of people. They don't want that out there. And it's true. They're it's it's kind of ridiculous. I mean, it's an absolute classic. I remember um, what was the uh, John Steinbeck one uh, of Mice and Men? Of Mice and Men. And that, yeah, I would that bothered me, and to this day it does. But I think that's a good thing. It's a good thing that I remember that book and what it meant. Yeah, it's a bothersome book at times, right? I mean, that's the but point. That's why that's you wrote it. That's the point. Yes. Well, and and there is a certain you know. I mean, think about some of these these classic books. I'll throw out there Animal Farm. Catcher in the Rye, Ulysses. These are all books that have run into some sort of controversy, if you will. And and this idea of, I guess, we live in a day and age when the idea of banning a book is just as ridiculous as you could get, being that the digital version is probably available absolutely everywhere. You haven't stopped anybody who wants to read it from reading it. All you've done is stop the conversation about whatever issue you may have had with it. I think that's uh, the, the better part in there. Hey, good morning to you. A happy Monday. And we jump to our 8 o'clock hour. Take a look at the big stories people are talking about, including oh, the Super Bowl is set. The Los Angeles Rams will be playing a home game, for lack of better terms, as they host the Cincinnati Bengals, who managed to go into Kansas City and knock off a pretty potent Chiefs team. Judy? Hey, enjoy the sunny, mild weather we've got going on today. Well, the sun is supposed to come out at some point. Um, because uh, in a few days, we're going to get a whopper of a winter storm, apparently. And uh, some areas could see as much as a foot of snow. It's been two Years since Mark Frakes uh, has been kidnapped by the Taliban. Now President Biden is weighing in on this and calling for the release, the release of this man who was working as a private contractor at the time of his capture. Um, 
the state of the state, you know, it's uh, one of those things you kind of get into at the beginning of the um, uh, the beginning of the year and taking a look at things, at least from an economic standpoint. Where are we? Where are we doing well and where could we be doing better? Joining us right now uh, is the chief economist of the Illinois Policy Institute. It's Orfe Devangi. Good morning to you. Good morning. Good morning. How are you? It's good to have you with us. Now, I want to ask you a question because you you hear about the fact that, you know, the economy across the whole country has grown and that we've seen an uptick. But then you also hear kind of in the same breath that you have things like inflation. Does that negate any of the growth? No, it doesn't. Actually, the economy is growing uh, across the country. Uh, the high inflation actually is a sign that the economy is, go- is growing. People oh. are consuming more, right? They're, they're spending more. And so, you know, when demand outstrips supply, prices increase. So high inflation is actually a sign the economy is growing. Now, too high inflation, so we don't want inflation to get out of control. Because when inflation gets out of control, it's going to hurt consumers, right? They're going to start thinking, okay, these prices are getting too high mm-hmm. too quickly. And so we're going to spend a little bit more. And so if consumers start to spend less, uh, sorry, spend less, less. if consumers start to spend less, that actually slows down uh, the economy, right? The economic growth that we're enjoying right now. That's why we need an uh, economist to explain this to me, right? And so is (laughs) Illinois' economy growing? Illinois' economy is growing. Unfortunately, it's growing a lot less than it would have grown had we not had experienced so much population loss, oh. right? So, it, right. So, you know, the fact that we're losing people every year, and that it's actually accelerated. You know, when you know, I'm talking about this because JB Pritzker set to give his state of the state address on Wednesday. Right. Uh, he's also going to propose a budget. Uh, you know, and when he came into office, right? This is an election year for JB, so it's an important one. You know, when he came into office, he said he was going to do his best to invest in underserved communities and uh, grow the economy and reverse population losses. Unfortunately, population loss has actually accelerated uh, since JB uh, took over. And and the reason for that is that, you know, he proposed tax hikes in every single budget. Illinois Illinois is highly is a highly regulated. So we are the state with the third most regulations in the country. Uh, And so during the pandemic, when he had a kind of executive power, Right. He was kind of the only one setting the rules uh, for most of the, the, the pandemic. Illinois, Illinoisans actually went elsewhere. They went to other states. They went to states where the cost of government was lower, where they had more personal freedom. Uh, and those states actually you know, greatly benefited. If you look at those states, you know, Arizona, Texas, they're states that have already recovered from pandemic job losses. Uh, there are states where the economy is surpassing where what it what it was mm-hmm. before the pandemic. Uh, meanwhile, Illinois kind of is lagging behind. We're talking to Orfe Devongi, uh, chief economist at the Illinois Policy Institute. Again, as uh, Governor Pritzker uh, plans his state of the state address, and we talk about this population loss. Who are we losing? Is is that an important part of this as well? Are we are we losing the workers? Are we losing the people that were contributing to the tax base, for lack of better terms? For sure. Historically, we've lost uh, working age our working age population. You know, prime working age population people aged twenty five to fifty four uh, were the ones leaving during the pandemic. However, preliminary data shows that 
it's been a lot of the young, right, people under 25, and also the old. And when I say the old, I'm talking about early retirees. I'm talking about people uh, 55 and up, right? So, you know, we shut down the economy. Uh, a lot of people left and are just never coming back, right? So we have an early retirement problem across the country, roughly 60% of workers uh, that were, uh, sorry, 60% of all workers but were uh, close to the age, you know, between the age of 55 and 65 uh, that left and are not coming back. Mm. Uh, it, the same problem is in Illinois. Now, the, the big issue for us in Illinois is that they're not just on the sidelines. They, they just haven't just left and said, okay, there's a pandemic. We may not come back. We may come back. No, they've actually left the state altogether. Right. And that's, that's a big issue because, uh, you know, if we are, cannot get those people back into the labor force, and we can get them back into jobs where our economy is going to grow a lot slower than it would have uh, had we had this, uh, these workers uh, back at work. But when you talk about early retirees, certainly they're not coming back, right? They're done. They're, they're, they're moving on their retirement plan maybe, you know, a couple years earlier. Yeah, so, right they're, yeah, they're going to be gone. And, and I, you know, can you really blame Illinois for that? I mean, those are people who are probably planning on leaving the state anyway at some point? Well, you know, it, it, unfortunately, that's, I, I wouldn't say that, you know, we can't just lose hope, right? So uh, before the pandemic, what we saw was a lot of older Americans were actually going back to work. Uh, labor force participation among older workers was actually trending up before the pandemic. Uh, so, uh, so I would say, you know, if we could keep them in the state, uh, we we would have uh, likely been able to see some of them get back to work and actually help support, uh, help grow our economy. And, and, and growing our economy, by the way, is really important because of our finances, right? You know, the state's finances are, are, not, uh, are not the best. You know, when you look uh, at Illinois compared to other states, we have massive pension debt, pe- pension obligations, uh, and our pension costs now take up 27% of the state budget. Mm-hmm. That means fewer resources for others, for services, for, for people who actually need, uh, need the state, uh, f- state funds. And so we need a, a robust labor force. We need a growing, a strong economy uh, to make sure that we have the resources to actually pay our debts, to pay our bills. Uh, so it's really important. So w- the first step is keep people here. <laughs> Let's try to keep Illinoisans here so they can actually get to, into the workforce and actually work in Illinois and pay their taxes and, and help provide services for everyone else, right? Yeah. Thank you so much for your time today and appreciate you uh, shining some light on it and uh, and as an economist helping us understand how it yeah, works. Yeah, thank you for dumbing it down <laughs> uh, for th- us. Thank you very much. <laughs> I definitely need 101 version. That's Orfe Devonge is the uh, chief economist at the Illinois Policy Institute because you, you know what he's describing there also is a um a law of diminishing returns that if Governor Pritzker and other politicians in the state of Illinois continue to raise taxes, continue to increase spending, uh, continue to add restrictions and, and make it a less business-friendly environment, leading more people to leave. Well, those of you that are stuck behind have to pay a larger portion of the bill. Like, th- this is, this becomes, at some point, you're like... Oh, it's sh- already a vicious circle. Yeah, so. you, know, mm-hmm. you should be cutting because there's less people, certainly not adding because there's less people because somebody has to pay that bill. Hey, good morning.
appreciate you spending some time with us today. It's Bruce and Judy. And uh, the world of tipping has changed a little over the last uh, year, two years, if you will. Um, I've become a very good tipper. You become a better tipper mm-hmm. because of the pando. Absolutely. Uh, and it turns out that a lot of people have, uh, do I want to say changed their tipping habits? Or are just more generous these days? Both, yeah. They're more generous, and they are they are tipping for things they didn't tip for before. You know, if I was going to get a sandwich delivered to my house, I might give the guy a buck, right? Okay. But now, of course, because they leave it right by my door and they leave because the whole COVID thing, you know, contactless. They ding-dong dash. Yeah, and and so I might Mm. give them a little bit more. I might give them, you know, I mean, I, I... I don't know in what universe I would ever have given uh, someone who delivered my sandwich a $15, a 15% tip, but I probably do now. I think technology has made this easier. Yes. I think now that, that it's all you have to do is click the little button or it tells you how much the tip would be, things like right. this. It's making it a lot easier because as uh, being mathematically illiterate, um, it was always a bit difficult for me when we would get into these percentages and I would get very confused, which is why I've been an over tipper my whole life. Yeah. Because I didn't know, I don't know how to tip 15%. They used to have that that little card that used to, my dad had it in his pocket. Mm Mm-hmm. I, I carried the card in his pocket, <laughs> laminated yeah. oh. with the tipping percentages yeah. and the dollar figures on it. I had a husband who was a math whiz, so I would just hand him the, well, he better pick up the check most of the times anyway, but I would just hand him the check. I, or whoever I was with, I'm like, I figure out the check. My world changed mm-hmm. when someone told me, take the first number and double it. That's 20%. I was like, mm. we or take the tax Stop and taking, double it. I don't know yeah, how to tax do that. times two. I don't know how to do that. If the tax was that includes multiplication. Seven and a half. Seven and a half percent. Yeah. Now yep. go, now go anywhere for that, yep. Nick. It's nine percent. Nine and a half percent. Yeah, I couldn't keep up okay, with that. Okay, here's first about, number, double it. Yeah. Now we got it. Okay. Well, we're talking about tipping. I re- so the goodwill does this. I don't know if anyone else does. Do you want to just round up? Oh yeah, there's a lot of places. Do they, a lot of places. And I, yeah. and well, I sometimes do. it's like Roundup sure, for charity yeah. and things. Yeah. Like sure, yeah. Grocery stores, you want to get to sure, donate the change sure. or something. How many like times that? you do that? It's just yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, I don't even think about it unless it's like seven oh two is my total. I'm like, nah, I'm not going to round up ninety eight cents, but if it's close, I'll just round it up. When it, makes it easier to balance your checkbook, Judy. Yeah, and you know, I don't want the I don't want the coins, right? Because Hold you know, there used to be a coin shortage. What what does balance your checkbook mean? What is it? What you know, exactly? When you use that? a debit card somewhere and then you enter that in there to make sure you still have money left in your bank account? No. What? <laughs> Call me old. <laughs> I, still, like I still. You know have how checks. I know how much money I have? I go on the app and it tells me how much money I have. Oh, app schmap. No. What yeah, year is it? Old school. I I'm have... still writing checks for all my utility bills. You got to be kidding. Me. Okay, wait. Nope. Uh, yeah, Nick will get this. Nothing is auto paid. I, 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 I write maybe three checks a year. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> I just got this email, Nick, from Harlan Clark. Don't forget to reorder checks before you run out. <laughs> <laughs> it's my third notice. <laughs> Better put the order in. Yeah. Well, you know what, though? Here's the funny thing I don't need them. I know it's my third. No, usually they remind me. I'm like, oh, I got to get more check. I don't need them because that's I, I, I'm trying to wean myself. I I think you should do the same, Nick. I'm weaning myself off checks. checks. Okay, so I, 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 only because I was curious and I just went on and did it. I've had the same bank, right? The same bank for probably thirty years. 
Okay. And, you know, I don't change banks. What the hell is it? I'm not going to change a bank. Yeah. My check registry, you know, because... Mm-hmm. Uh huh. I'm in the three hundreds. <gasps> Come on, I'm I'm writing down like six numbers. <laughs> I've written less than four hundred checks in thirty years. Yeah, I don't check. What in thirty years? My God. Now, and it's interesting about the bank, though. How many times has your bank changed? I'm still getting tired. My bank keeps changing its name, which yeah, means someone's buying it, right? Or they're merging? I assume. Yeah. I think the last time I wrote a check was for my rent. I don't even do that. Really? Well, no. do, do they just have a pay online portal? Yeah, you got a thingy online. You do it through yeah. your bank automatically. Well, I was living in Rogers Park, so, you know. Oh, they, they demand checks there. Yeah, they they, yeah. they want to see it. They want to yeah. know. Cash or check? Cash. I was going to say, <laughs> sl- sliding, sliding honeys underneath a door somewhere, yeah. you know. The check guy who ran my building would not have accepted a, uh, you know, can I just sell you the rent? I feel like at <laughs> some point in, our, in my life, I have paid cash for, like, rent and stuff. Should, should tipping go away, though? We talk about the tipping. Should should tipping as like a Europe. concept go Europe, away? You don't tip in Europe. They no, have, you don't. They, it's, they, it's they not, there isn't right. even the little line on no. the on the on the on the receipt. They, there's no there's no tipping. Is this? No. Get out of here. Get out of here with your money. But yeah, charge it. I'd rather just pay for the service. Charge or, me what it is, and I don't want to worry about the tip. Yeah, yeah. And, and quite frankly, everyone's making more money, right? Everything costs more. Why are we still tipping? Well, I, I guess my thing is, is it's not uniform also. And, and so I feel like I'm never sure when I should be tipping. What mm-hmm. should I be tipping? Do I tip the same amount for someone who went and refilled my water glass four times during, uh, a dinner that I tip for the person who delivers my food, uh, to my front door through one of the apps to if I walk into the restaurant and pick it up myself? Like, if they really put forth the effort, I'll give them something extra. But I mean, it's tipping automatically. It's for the birds. Yeah. <laughs> It's for the birds. Is it Remember true? Did, didn't the concept tip to ensure prompt service? Isn't that where it came yeah. from? Yeah. Tips? Is, that, is that true or mm-hmm. is that a, a legend? I th- we'd have to spend no, some time true. on it. Because uh, it started in the Great Depression was tipping because they needed people to actually pay the service because the people who own the restaurants couldn't pay the service. There was not I money. did not know that. Hmm. Now I'm now that makes me even more mad. Yeah, I'm not, I'm, that's it. I'm done. Today's the, I'm not tipping after today. Got it. <laughs> I got a tip for you. I'm not tipping after today. Yeah, I had I had a buddy tell a, a waitress once. I got a tip for you. Run around the block a few times. There we oh. go. Ow. Buy low, sell high.